How good is your vision, 2020? How many here have had your eyes tested? You've been to an optician, yeah, and you've had your eyes tested. So you would recognize the next um, picture as it comes up, the vision chart. Have you seen something like that before? Yeah. So when you go to get your eyes tested, those of you who haven't done that, they'll sit you in a chair and you look across on the wall and then you have to read out what you can see, okay? Now, I'm very familiar with this because my eyesight is actually very poor, okay? You don't know that, many of you probably, because for more than 20 years I wear contact lenses. And if I don't wear them, I would be in trouble. Okay, so um, what uh, opticians talk about is 2020 vision. If you have 2020 vision, you can see clearly at the distance of 20 feet what you're expected to see when you have normal eyesight. Okay? If you have poor vision, you'll see less than 2020. So this is a very relevant thing for us to talk about this year of 2020. Not only about our physical eyesight, because some of us can't help that, okay? <laughs> and thankfully, we have people who can give us corrective lenses so that we can see, um, which is a wonderful thing. But there was a woman by the name Helen Keller. Some of you know about her. She was an author and an activist in the States. Um, well-known over there, and she was blind, but she accomplished many things in her life. And she was asked one day by somebody, what can be worse than being blind? And her answer was, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Wow. This woman, who was completely blind, accomplished so many things. Um, in her life and really made an impact in the nation and for women's rights and things like that. So she was a woman, though maybe with her physical eyes she couldn't see, she had clear sight in her heart. So sight is what your eyes produce. Vision is what your heart produces. And we should never let our vision be affected by what we see with our eyes. And yet many times we do that because when we see things with our eyes and they don't look like what we expect, we give up hope inside and our vision dies. I want to share a scripture with you from Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, thank you. They came to Beth Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I want to take you first to the beginning here, the first part. It says, some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. 
In other stories in the Gospels, it's been the blind man who's been desperate for Jesus to touch him. You remember the other stories we read where they're crying out, um, blind Bartimaeus is crying out for Jesus, and all the people around him are telling him to shut up. But he cries all the more in desperation because he wants a touch from Jesus. But in this particular story, we don't even know if the blind man had just accepted his situation. I'm blind. There's nothing I can do about it. I've given up hope. But his friends had a heart for him. They had a passion for him. And I can just sense their passion here. It wasn't the, oh, the man himself who even realized that he was blind or needed help. But it was his friends who begged Jesus to touch him. Some of us here who sit here today, we've come to know Jesus not because we realized ourselves that we were spiritually blind, but it was because our friends led us to him, brought us to him. And as a result, we realized, wow, I didn't know I was blind, but I need to see. And Jesus touched us and healed us. Another thing that I find interesting here, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Many of the old, in fact, most of the other miracles that Jesus did, he did it right there in the midst of the crowd for everybody to see. Interestingly here, Jesus takes the blind man by his hand and he walks with him outside the village. He took him away from the people, away from the crowds, away from the noise and the hustle and the bustle of the village and took him to a quiet place. Being alone with Jesus can restore your sight and give you clarity of vision. And many times the reasons why we don't have clear vision on the inside is because we're distracted by so many things that are going on around us and we have no vision on the inside because what we see on the outside clouds our vision and clouds our spiritual senses as well. The next thing here. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? I've always thought this, para- this, this miracle is a bit weird because the idea of someone spitting on your eyes is not really nice, is it? Even if it was Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Jesus, but anyone else spitting on my eyes, I don't know if I'd like that. And interestingly, I read in a commentary about this story, they suggested that it was quite possible that because this man had been blind for a very long time, his lids were shut. And you know how you can get all sorts of gunk that holds your eyelids closed? And the suggestion was that Jesus actually spat on his eyes and then rubbed his eyes so that his eyelids could open. We don't know that from the text, but that's a suggestion anyway. And when Jesus did that and touched his eyes, he said, what do you see? And now I can, I can relate to what he's saying here. And those of you who don't have good eyesight, you can relate as well to what he's saying. Because um, he's seeing some movement out there. It, it, but it's not clear. It looks like trees. It, it's people, but it looks like trees, okay? And this is often what happens with vision when God begins to put vision in your heart. It doesn't come straight like this, but sometimes it grows. It's a burden God puts in your heart, a dream in your heart. And as you are alone with Jesus and take time with Jesus, that becomes more clear in your heart. Can we go back to the scripture, Claudia? Um, So when 
Jesus asked him, and he, he could only see something looking like trees. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. It's interesting. The other interesting thing about this particular miracle is that all other records in the Gospels of miracles that Jesus did were instantaneous. But this one is the only miracle we see that was progressive. Now, if you go and read Mark chapter 8 on your own, you will see that immediately before this event took place, Jesus was with his disciples, and he was sharing something with them. And Jesus was actually speaking spiritual truths, but they weren't understanding what he was saying because they were trying to reason with their minds. And Jesus ends up saying to them, do you still not see and understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? So when I read this in context, to me, it's almost like this um, miracle that took place is a picture also of that process of God restoring spiritual sight to us, opening our eyes and helping us to see the things that God wants us to see. Sadly, many believers have received the Lord as their Savior and they're on their way to heaven. Yet they live their life without a sense of vision or purpose. God has so much more for you. He wants you to live with a purpose, knowing that your life matters, that God has a destiny and a purpose for your life. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, we read about where Jesus was in the synagogue and he picked up the scroll, an, an Old Testament scroll, and he read a prophetic word that was speaking, spoken about Jesus and he read it out loud in the synagogue. And it was this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to, bring, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus is here today as well. His spirit is here. And he has the same power today as he had back in the day when Jesus walked on the earth. Not only to bring physical healing, to set you free from whatever oppression and darkness you're in, but even to restore your vision back into your life again if you don't have it. This year, 2020, is a year of vision and a year of God's favor in our lives. And God wants to restore your sight today if you've lost it or if it's blurry and you need it to be cleared. A guy by the name of Carl Jung, he said, your vision will become clear only when you look into your heart. He who looks outside dreams. He who looks inside awakens. So it's time for us to close off all the distractions and look into our heart Take Jesus by the hand and let him lead us to a place where he can restore vision and sight to us again.
John Maxwell has a very interesting um, quote about um, what vision is. He says, vision is awareness, the ability to see, then it's attitude, the faith to believe, and then it's action, the courage to do. Okay, so it's important for us to have the vision to see. Uh, Sylvester was sharing earlier before the service about a mustard seed. When you plant a mustard seed, you do it with a vision of what it's going to produce, a tree, okay? So that's a vision. You can't see it with your physical eyes. When you plant the seed, you know that I'm planting this and I'm expecting something. So you have an awareness and ability to see. So this is a lot of what vision is about. You're in a place and what you're looking at right now is not what you're expecting. But in your heart, you know that God's got something for you and it's out there and you can see it with the eyes of your heart, okay? But it's not enough just to have that dream in your heart. That's not enough. It needs to be coupled with an attitude, an attitude of faith to believe that it's possible. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things that you need to overcome to get from where you are to where God wants you to be. And you got to have an attitude that says, I'm an overcomer. Whatever comes in my way, it's not going to hold me back. And if I fall, I'll get up again, and I'll get up again. That's what it's all about until that vision is accomplished. The third thing we need, action. So many people have vision. They have dreams. They even think that they might be able to do it, but they procrastinate. They never take that step out, the courage to step out into what they believe that God has for them. So vision is about seeing, but it's also about acting on what you see. A vision develops from a God-given burden or dream that God puts in your heart. God says, I know the plans I have for you. So if you sit here this morning and you say, I got no idea where my life is headed. I don't know what purpose my life has. I thought it had no meaning. That's what I've been told. I didn't realize I counted. Well, you do. And God has a plan for you. And vision develops where God puts that dream in your heart. And when he gives us that burden or vision for something, something inside us begins to change. It consumes our thoughts. And every move we make, we dwell on this burden or dream. When you go to bed at night, it goes around in your head. And eventually, it compels us to action. Here's another cool um, quote that I would like to share with you by a guy named uh, Joel Barker. Vision without action is merely a dream. It's a good starting point. You need a dream, but not a dream alone. Action without vision just passes time, okay? I think all of us know those kind of people who are forever very, very busy, but they seem to be going in circles and never accomplishing much, okay? So vision with action can change the world. We need the combination of both, vision with action. May God awaken in you and me, in each one of us, a sense of purpose, and destiny, where you become focused, where you begin to live by conviction and not just by convenience, where you're passionate to become all that God created you to be and what he intended for you.
Do you know that such a kind of life, when you become focused, when you know where you're heading, your life becomes single track. There's things that you choose not to do because you got something you want to accomplish in life, right? That kind of life inspires other people. Do you know when other people who can't find their way and they're going in circles and they don't know which way to turn, when they see a person who has vision, who has direction, who has purpose, it inspires them. Yeah? And that's the kind of life that God has called each one of us to live. That kind of life where you know your purpose and destiny and your life by itself is a testimony that inspires other people. I'm sure most of you are familiar with our vision as a church. Our vision in open church is to inspire people to experience God and imitate Jesus. This is our vision. This is what we're here for. There are many churches in Indola. There are many churches that you could go to, but this is what God has given us a mandate to do, to inspire people to experience God and imitate Jesus. And what is so much on my heart is for us to build a church that is relevant to this generation, to make God relevant to this generation. There are so many young people who are saying, God, Christianity, that's for the old people. But it's not. God is real, and we're here to make him relevant to the young generation. So this is what, where we are. And if, if we as a church want to accomplish this vision, it starts with each one of us getting a clear vision, and becoming an inspiration to others. Becoming like those friends who led the blind man to Jesus and begged him, please touch, please touch this blind person. The, the reason that we meet here in church on Sunday is not just so that we can have a happy good time as a family. It is to provide, it is also that, but more importantly, it is to provide a platform for those outside to come in and see what is it like to be a part of the family of God, a place to welcome them in and make them feel at home. That's what we're here for. And we need to catch that vision in our hearts and realize that that's what church is about. Who are you bringing to church this Sunday? Who are you bringing next Sunday? That's what each one of us are called to do. John says in his third letter that he wrote, there's a, a, a statement that he says that I really like because I kind of, it resonates in my heart. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. I can so relate to that because it brings me so much joy in my heart when sons and daughters in this house are making right choices in their lives, when I can see them growing and maturing, when I can see that God is at work in their life. You know, all the challenges of running church seem so irrelevant when the joy of seeing what God is producing in your lives is there. So that's the one side of the coin. But the other side is that it breaks my heart that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people out there who are part of this family, but they don't, they don't yet know it. There are people out there with no purpose and direction in life, and they're waiting for you to lead them here to find that purpose, to meet Jesus, and to get that destiny into their lives. That's what we are here for. 
When I drive in my car and I go around and I see people walking on the street, I just, oh God, I hope these people are. And I just, I just have that desire to gather them all together and bring them in. And many times we have that um, idea in our heads that it's the leaders in the church, it's their job to win the lost, to bring people to salvation. My job is to come and sit in church on Sunday and have a nice meal and then go happy home again. But the Bible makes it very clear in Ephesians chapter 4 that God has called people to different, um, different things. It says that he's called some to be apostles, to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers and pastors. But the reason he's called those people, those people who are your leaders, it is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So I'm here to tell you today, it's your job to do the work of the ministry. It's your job to be those friends who lead the blind man to Jesus and allow him to touch and restore sight. Um, Sylvester mentioned a scripture before, which is found in Matthew chapter 9. Um, it says, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Many of you who've been to my house have seen our big mango tree. Yeah. This year, we've had the biggest um, crop of mangoes that we've ever had before. My tree, the branches were so heavy with mangoes that we had to prop up the branches with other sticks to hold them because the branches were breaking with the weight of all the fruit. And we've been looking forward all, when we saw those mangoes coming, looking forward all the time for them to get ripe, for the harvest time to come. And when they got ripe, my goodness, it happens all of a sudden. The harvest time is there, and they're just ripening all over. And this is what Jesus was talking about. The harvest is plentiful. It's out there. It's ready to be picked. And we have picked so many mangoes. I've made mango uh, pudding. I've made mango uh, crumble. I've made mango all these, whatever I can think of. Plus, I've been filling bags with mangoes. When people visit me, I send them home with bags of mangoes. And I've been trying to put to use as many mangoes as I possibly could from that tree. And yet, when darkness falls, the bats come. And at night when we lie in bed, we can hear the bats. And sometimes they even fight over the fruit. And I can hear, time and again, we hear uh, mangoes falling from the trees, thud, 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 land, landing on the grass. And in the morning, if you go out to look, some of those mangoes have been eaten right down to the stone by the bats. And this has given me a very vivid picture of the harvest. Because God's will is that for all men should be saved. He doesn't want one single one to be lost. And yet, because of a shortage of hands or lack of workers to help me harvest all my mangoes, there's a lot that are going to waste. And the enemy, the bats at darkness, come and steal them. That's not the intention for a good mango to be eaten by a bat. But I didn't manage to pick it. This is a call to all of us to action. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, 
The workers are few. We're the workers. We need to realize what our responsibility is and reach out to the lost. The other thing that really strikes me about this uh, passage of Scripture is that harvest time is a season. It doesn't go on forever. It's a season. Right now is when the mangoes are there. In another week or two, it's too late. The mangoes I failed to pick, I can't go back. They're gone forever. And the harvest that Jesus is talking about as well is also a season. And some of, some of us can say today, well, I'm too busy with my studies. I'm too busy with work. I'll do that another time. I'll, test, I'll, I'll, I'll testify to my neighbor another time or to my classmate or to my workmate. I don't have time now. I've got a lot of other things I need to take care of. I'll do it another time. And one day we'll wake up and the season, the harvest time is over. And you can't go back. It's today it counts, guys. It's this year, 2020. We want to see the seats filled in this place. Not so that Open Church can have a big name, but so that Jesus' name can be glorified in this city and we can see a generation one for Jesus Christ in this place. My prayer in this year is that God will sharpen our vision and give us a heartbeat for the lost all around us whom he died to save. So we saw in the last um, quote that vision with action can change the world. So one of the things that we normally do as a church, I'm just sharing a little bit practical now. When you become a member in this church, and many of you have already signed membership forms, which we do on a yearly basis, which means we've come to a new year, and this year we're signing new membership forms as well. When you become a member of this family here, there are four things that we expect of you. Number one, it's connecting. It's so important for us that you become a part of Connect Group, okay? And the reason for this is as the family grows, those of us in leadership can't keep tabs on every one of you. We can't follow what God is doing in each one of your lives. And we, so it's so important for us to be connected into a connect group, a smaller group where we know each other intimately, where we are a part of each other's lives. We can follow each other when we're going through hard times and we can encourage each other and we can grow together and pray for one another. It's so important. So if you've been in this church for a long time and you've yet not been a part of Connect Group, I really want to challenge you. You need to put it into action. Okay, let's get connected. Number two, the other thing we expect of people who are members in the church is serving. You know in your own home where you come from, whatever family background you have, all of us get involved in helping. We help with cooking, cleaning, washing, whatever we're asked to do, we're expected to do our part as being a part of that family, yeah? Even my little Ethan, he's only two years old, he has to help to tidy his toys away after he's made a big mess. All of us have got our part to play. And even in this open church family, all of us have a part to play. So we would love to see each and every one of you on a team serving. And this, uh, uh, there are a number of different teams. You've seen people on the praise team, the tech team, the host team, the cafe team. We have many different teams. And we want to encourage you to get involved in a team where you, 
where you have interest, where you have gifting, because serving should be fun, all right? It's not just a burden and a hard thing to do. It's a fun thing. And we have lots of you who are serving on team. We even have some that are serving on more than one team. But we want to encourage you, if you are a member in this church, if you feel that this is your home, it's time to get on a team. If you're not, make sure you to speak to somebody who is on team, and we'll see how we can get you involved. So the first is connecting. The second is serving. The third is giving. Where your heart is there your money will be as well. If your heart is in this place and this is your home, this is where we give our tithes regularly and our offerings and where we support the church. Okay? So this is also an area that is very important for us. And if you've been a part of the church, you've heard us talking about this before, but you haven't been tithing yet, we will be starting soon to teach um, more in depth about what it means to tithe and we need if you have not learned it again we're going to go through it because it's important that we honor the word of God and obey the word of God and become faithful in giving because when we're faithful in little no matter how little income we have God can entrust us with more yeah that's the third one and the fourth one is praying building a church and building a family like this is a spiritual work. There's a lot of practical work involved, but it's a spiritual work. And it's a spiritual war for souls. The enemy wants the souls as well, but they belong to Jesus because he gave his life for each and every one of them. And so we're in a battle for souls. And that's what we are part of here, whether we realize it or not. And that's why one of the important things that we call you to, the fourth thing that we expect of a member here, is for you to pray. Pray for your leaders. Pray for the church. Pray for the people in your connect group. We need to be a church of prayer because that's how God moves through our prayers. Vision is about taking a step, getting involved, action. It's not enough to say, yay, I believe it in my heart. It's got to come out in action in our lives. Now, as I've been preparing this message, I've had such a burden in my heart, as you can hear, for lost souls and how important this season is. I really feel a sense of urgency that God has given us a window of opportunity, a season right now as a church, and we need to seize it. We need to seize it. And I want to believe that by the end of this year, we're going to see this place full. We need to come to a place where we're doing not one service, but two or three services, because there are so many members out there yet who belong in this place. And I believe this year we're going to see harvest in this church as each one of us step out into what God has called us to. Mm -hmm.